Good afternoon, everyone. Hello. Good morning. Hey, nice shirt, man. Uh, Ty correspondent. Everything's being recorded right now, so don't say anything you don't want recorded. Can I give us a pan pan down on that bad boy? Can we have a little look at that? Oh, man. Nice. That's Good. that's that's Songkran. That's that's uh Songkran ready. Andy Songkran ready. Hey, look what I found. The same size. Ooh. An old Lumpini shirt in my cupboard. Ooh, all right. Flexing hey. hard today, boys. Oh, it's been a while. Hey, I can sit by that shirt. You're really getting stuff out of the closet. It's great. Well, if you anything else you want to get while you're in there? Actually, I, I don't think you. Yeah. Anyway, I won't. <laughs> oh, basically, Song Kran's uh, fucked up shirt, Dave. If you didn't know, so Hawaiian shirt to the go. Anyhow, let's get started. We're doing a QA session today, are we? We are, man. Yeah, we, we have some corkers. Excuse, sir. There's going to be some animal noises in the background every now and again. Sorry, Sam and Kieran's background, but uh, for totally different reasons. Hey, who's flexing with the AIS shirt? Oh, yeah, you like that? Uni Ruse. Uni Ruse. Hmm. Yeah. University World Championships. That was for that bad boy. In I remember that. Hard Rock Cafe. That was a good, good, good tourney. Um, pretty sure half of those like Kazakhs and stuff didn't go to uni, but whatever, we'll just we'll just blow past that. They would, they would, they would. Are you questioning the tertiary education levels of uh People in former Soviet countries. Just the particular ones that I saw at the event. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not like, sorry. Are you, are you expecting me to be PC now? Are you sorry? Are you you trying to throw that in there? We've got some juicy questions, man. So we're not, we can't. Ask yeah. all of them. They need to be addressed. Let's go. I'll all right. Okay. I, we'll do Let's a couple speak. of them. I think we can do quite quickly. Um, and lads, uh, we'll start with you, Si. Big fights within Australia you think need to happen or would like to see? Uh, one's obviously happening, George and Toby. Mm. Toby and Jake should happen. I don't know what it would look like, but it's just one of those fights that's been talked about forever. Um, Chad Collins and Tyler, Chad Collins and Jordan Godfredson. Um, more locally, uh, Keha Lee versus Ibrahim. Um, okay, who? Kehal versus Ibi. Um, Joanne versus Soraya. Mm. Andrew, uh, any any that haven't been covered there? Big fight about you. it, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know about the Jake and Toby one, man, but it's been talked about, so. If they want to do it, they can do it. Get it done. Or Jake and Charlie. It's always that little bit of bickering on social media. Done that twice, man. Yeah. But they I, keep I think that's been squashed. It's done. Dead horses flogged. Okay. Yeah. No point for a third. Moving on. Let's 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 crack straight into a delicious one. Delicious. This one's juicy. Are you in bed Ow. still, Sai? <laughs> Because it's where the snacks are. He's Hot cars at five thirty in the morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> snack pack under the bed. Back on track, or we won't get three these. Persian cookies. This episode brought to you by Kulucher, oh, the official walnut biscuit snack of Iran. Let's go. Okay. okay. Yeah. Eating a life on mozzies. How would you handle a transgender woman wanting to fight girls as a promoter slash trainer? I've had two. Um, basically, in our state, it's um, it's not up to us. So whatever's on their um, birth mm. register, um, we can't. Uh, well, whatever's on their birth register is what the Combat Sports Authority say. And basically, if, if it's a girl uh, identifying as a man and wants to fight another man, then... Um, they won't approve it, man. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Well, I'm going to probably... <clears throat> Ooh, I'm going to annoy a lot of the same people that get annoyed at me anyway. Um, first of all, I don't know what the uh, reg regulations and registrations in Victoria are. Um, <laughs> over, overarching, I think, 
once a rule is put in place by government, like I couldn't just say, no, we're not doing it. Like it, it would be discrimination if that's the rule that comes in. But as a promoter and a matchmaker, it's not like it's a running race where you have to include someone if they, uh, if they nominate, it's an opponent has to be willing to fight them. So mm. full disclosure, if someone comes in and, you, and they want to fight and one of the girls with full disclosure knows their history and wants to fight them, then, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's up to them. Mm. And, you know, if, 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 if it's a fair matchup, at the end of the day, it has to be put on. Mm. I don't have a, like everybody else, I think a lot of people have a real clear cut thing. Like I know so many people that fucking treat women's sport like shit. And then all of a sudden they found this one thing that they want to be the protectors of women's sports. And I'm not saying some of the stuff that's happening right now is fair necessarily. I, unlike some of the people, don't know enough about the science of it. My gut feel is it's not fair with the current conditions. But long term, if they do more research and typically diminish their advantage, then, you know, uh, it's not up to me to decide, but they'd be smarter people. But I just don't think it's as big an issue as in numbers wise globally as people are making it out to be. It just seems to be one of the five like ultra right wing stuff people really harp on about. And it's kind of filtering out through the rest of society. Current rules, I find it a bit bullshit from my limited understanding, but I'm not saying in the future, if they put more knowledge and more stuff in it, you know. There's and I'm sure, well, I, uh, yeah. sorry, I, I was, was, was going to say, I'm sure we could also find, it's true, that the example of, I mean, what you say is right. If there's rules around it at the end of the day, there's rules around it. And a lot of the sanctioning bodies have them written in some of their rule sets too take um like the wbc for example there is one at the end that it has to be their gender by birth and until that rule is changed it is the rule and often you know as a promoter is it like the rules are the rules and it is what it is whether it's the government the, the sanctioning body the this the that. But on the flip side of what you're saying so si, i agree in that sometimes we focus on the example of the transgender athlete who's gone in and completely dominated However, I'm sure if we looked, we could also go and find all the transgender athletes who did poorly against them as well. Like we focus yeah. always on that, on the outlier. And I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to take a stance for or against, but it can be frustrating sometimes when people own in. And like you say, Sai, suddenly we have all of these like ultra defenders of women's sport who similarly will talk down on women's sport. They're just using it as an angle to like puff out. So it's controversial, but yeah, there's rules and full disclosure. I mean, fuck, what's to say if the promoter wants to do it and both trainers want to do it and the government wants to do it and everyone all says yes, well then see then well then it's and, right. I and then even some more detail on that, I think We've we so we've had a female who wanted to fight as a man, uh, or who identifies as a man, and I don't even know how to say it properly. But um, and you, he, I will say he was strong and everything and ready to go. But unfortunately, that got declined. And then on the other side of that, female versus female. Like I don't know much about the science either, but it, a lot of it has to do with when they transition, right? And the size of them and and everything yeah. like that too. So I guess at a lighter weight, it would probably be an easier uh, match to make, but at the heavier weights, it would probably be a little bit more challenging down the track. But again, for us, like exactly like you, like we can't even fight for it. So mm. I'm still fighting for uh, hand wraps to be applied directly to the hands. <laughs> and I mean, you can take examples of times when there has when genders have crossed over, obviously it happens in like the country of Thailand a lot with little kids, but then you yeah. also, you also see, um, I mean, one of the greatest female Dutch kickboxers of all time, right? Um, mm -hmm. Luke, yeah. So she was what, 40, 40, exactly 40 and oh, and then went and have her and fought a male. And I think she was knocked out in the second round badly. Right. Was she think, not? Yeah. And then I think, uh, Jim, Jim, Jermaine van, whatever, could check that fight in the UFC. I yeah. think he fought a bloke and starched him. Yeah. So man, you can find examples everywhere. And I think we just go around in circle, but it's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. 
It's a good topic. It's a good topic. This wasn't a question. It was a statement. Stop calling fights wars. No, no, I'm okay with it. If it's a war. If it's a war. I understand when people go, it's not like uh, going overseas and fighting for your country is a war. Like, relax. When no, people go, and I, I struggle with it. People go, uh, wrestling matches aren't fights. It's like, well, what what qualifies as a fight? It's like put 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 a Australia like a US Muay Thai champion against the US wrestling champion and see <laughs> who's spending the weekend in a hospital. So. Okay. Uh, oh God, here we go. Elbow <laughs> tap, underhook. Uh, where is the line between showmanship and being a dickhead for a Thai boxer? Andrew's a dickhead in that shirt. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's getting in the spirit of Songkran, Sai. So, the, the late, great uh, Jordan Co. He was a showman. Mm. Definitely not a dickhead. He didn't belittle his opponents. He lifted the whole thing up. It was fun. It was um, exciting for everyone. When you get someone who gets in the ring and isn't really fighting, it's just being a spoiler, belittling their opponent in the sport, calling people names and shit, they're a dickhead. Andy? Matt, well, I, I guess there's a fine line between showmanship and... Being a dick, but so I pretty much captured it. Like I, I, I feel like we need a lot more showmanship and hype around what we do because I feel like that's what's kind of holding us back in this day and age. And whether people agree with it or whether they don't, I think like guys who are active on and proactive on social media and, and are confident in what they say about themselves and what they can do, then I, you know I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, exactly what I said. If it's on the other side of it, need, I just think we need dickheads as well. Because yeah, you need villains, man. We need, we need, we need, like, we need. I mean, you take like, a lot shades. Of the you need different shades in the thing. I mean, I, I you know that Look, it's not just what, all pink and blue. There's black in there, right? You know, you know, um, the thing that gets said at every Muay Thai show by the commentators. I've probably said it too. At the end of the fight. When two people have fought and then they hug each other, it's like, oh, that's what Muay Thai is all about. I'm like, seriously, I didn't start Muay Thai training to learn to hug people. That, that was wrestling. Um, but it's like, it's become this thing where, like, it's become this kind of super bland thing where it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It doesn't matter this. And it doesn't matter. It's like something's got to matter and something's got to cause some excitement in it because. We, we love the sport and there's so many good sides of it, but people just don't like, they have to actually give a fuck about winning yeah. and they have to give a fuck about having a, that's why like old school kickboxing in Melbourne, you'd have mm. 6,000 people at a show because the Greeks and the Turks mm. or whatever it was, the back chat and stuff, like mm. it caused that and you'd get Gurk and Oscan <laughs> borderline, mm. dickhead borderline showman but people would go even stand the man when he'd come out and do his like side splits and shit. You'd be like, it would pick it up. Whereas mm. now it's like, it's great. Like I love the people. And as a promoter, like I like dealing with nice people, but fuck, there's no, there's no, there's no excitement around it. When that happens, you need a little something. And sports is entertainment too, right? We don't, it, it doesn't like sport is entertainment. What and drama. Yeah, you've got to have something Love else. It. I think a really good example of a sport that did it, that took a concept and produced entertainment from it really well is when um, like Big Bash Cricket came about and they really focused on, and I, man, yeah, I never watch cricket. I don't, I'm not a cricket person, but when you look at the way that they like, <laughs> engage everyone and the entertainment factor and they put so much into it, and the, the, the athletes themselves don't necessarily have it, but it shows it's like entertainment. They took a pretty, fuck to me, a pretty boring game and got even more, like, yeah. entertainment. And, cool. yeah, dickheads and sportsmen and everything, like, get them all. Dude, on Saturday night when, uh, sorry, Jabba fought Jonathan Elu, it was a K1 match on Warriors Way. I don't care if you don't like K1. You have to watch it. Sickest fight. But when Jabba comes out, and like he doesn't make a big thing of it, but he came out and he just stood there and he's like, Russian music's playing in the background. Like, man, I was commenting, I fucking got goosebumps. It was just like, 
Mm. Dude, like when Daddy Cool used to come out, like I'd just go, I'd one fighter to have a good walkout song that would actually get the crowd going. Mm. Yusuf did the same with Davey. Two minutes to walk out, this slow build-up of the song, walked out, stood there, looked menacing. It had a presence to it, controlling the game. So, yes, um, agreed. Okay, moving on. This question got cut off, but they ended up messaging it to me. What should both amateurs and professionals do after a fight? So it was in relation to aftercare for a fight. So we talk a lot about like preparation leading up to a fight, whether it's weight cut, whether it's mindset and whatever. And then a lot of people tend to fight. And then that's when we as maybe trainers or promoters can lose the athletes a little bit or they get tired or they get, um, you know, whatever. Like the aftercare portion after a fight. Um, for me personally, uh, so there's a couple of, a couple of big things. So there's, it depends on what the fight is, so how hard is, how banged up they are, but whether they're banged up or not, I, I generally like them not to come into the gym before Wednesday after the fight, if it's a Saturday show, but I also don't like them to come in later than the following Monday, whether they're banged up or not. And, and the big thing in there is that especially for the guys that tend to go off the rails a little bit, that after that week, if it becomes two weeks and then three weeks and then next minute you're going to have to start all the way back to the beginning again for the fight prep. So whether it's just coming back in to show your face and have a move around or a skip or a chat or even yeah, just hanging out for the Wednesday and the Thursday, and that's fine. But I'd hope that by the Monday, the following Monday, that they're back and at least moving around and coming in you know, two, three, four times a week maybe. But um, mm. I think it's just so important to get back in pretty quick. Otherwise, you, know, you lose your momentum and obviously like fitness and weight and things like that will come into it too. Mm. And I, I think it's easy after a win, but it's sometimes it can be a bit harder after a loss. Yeah. And I like yeah, to especially have, a big one. Yeah, especially a big loss. And I like to have my – I like to tell people that when they – have a loss and they can tend to always focus on the negative that they have to, when they find a negative, have to find a positive to match it or something that they did well or some sort of highlight that they can take out. So it's one, one and it's even so that the negativity doesn't completely drown them. I find that's a really good tool to, to deal with it and not a positivity in the sense of overly happy. It can be realistic. Yeah. Yeah you know, I did this well, or I applied that, or I tried really hard. In, even in the lead up, oh, I was so consistent with practicing this, those kind of things, one positive for every negative. Can I just yeah, say I, I think, hate that term? I think the, the thing that kills me... Every loss is a learn. I hate that. Yeah, I fucking I think, hate it. It's stupid. I think the thing that kills me is, like, with coming back to the gym-wise, when people take two or three weeks off, like they, they, they come back for the next training camp. It's like you've had other guys at the gym help you with sparring and training and all yeah. that stuff. And I talk about this, but they leave it off and like the weight gain thing becomes such a massive issue. We, we had it at a point where I just said, if like, I'm not going to match you to compete if you're beyond like five kilos, like especially with like amateur boxing and stuff or like the level of Muay Thai guys we used to have it wasn't this thing we wanted and when I'm cutting 10, 12 kilos off and guys come back and they look like a whale. But also the other thing is, especially with a hard fight, guys coming back and going straight into like heavy sparring the week after, it's like, I don't think the, the head contact in a fight is as damaging as all the like heavy sparring. Sometimes people do some gyms, do a lot of heavy boxing sparring. Obviously at a boxing gym, we do it. It's like your brain needs a little bit of recovery time. And if yeah. you've had a hard fight, man, go get a concussion test because you just don't know. Like um, I was talking to Hammer about it recently. Though, he goes, he reckons, he said when he was fighting, if there was concussion test, like, and he, he knew better, he probably would have had one and found out that he shouldn't be fighting. Later. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, again, for most of these guys, it's not going to be a thing where it's going to set them up with $10 million and they're going to live off it. So if it means having a little bit of an easier time, um, easier time with their brains, if you've had a really hard fight and you're not, some people say, I don't feel quite right, go get it checked out. Don't leave it till. Mm, mm. 
Brain trauma is real, man. Don't let your girlfriend be buying your shoes in a decade. Mm. I'm not wearing shirts like this. <laughs> That's the first step. That's the first signs of CTE is that shirt. <laughs> when you Makes open it, the chainsaws closet, out. That looks pretty good. I might wear that today. That's the first, that's the first sign of CTE. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. When uh, we sort of talked about this before, and so we can cover it again briefly because there's the government side, but when does a fighter turn pro, please? It's a hard one, isn't it? Because... I feel as though there's a difference. There's a, a definition of a professional to us and there's a definition of a professional to the government. And, and that's a, the definition of a professional who gets paid. The, non, the non-person, the person who's not really involved in the sport. Like if, you know, people who put the, I'm a professional Muay Thai fighter on their Instagram and they've, you know, fought a three rounder for a few hundred bucks. Like professional people think of it as, this is your profession like your the definition of a professional isn't that it's your full-time job unfortunately for for where we are um but i don't know it's 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 up i reckon it's up to the fighters some fighters style doesn't suit amateur some fighters uh you know their age how long they've been training there's guys who've been training you know since they were eight years old they've just turned 18 and they've had 40 amateur fights i don't think they should have another 40 amateur fights before they have a pro Muay Thai fight. I'll go the other way and say, like, I think we've all spoken about this before offline in that the type of fight and the rules dictate the style of fight. And in some respects, like you see guys who come out to Thailand, their first fight's a professional fight. They haven't fought back in Australia before. They're fully uh, aware. That's, uh, three interclub matches, by the way, Andrew. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> that's fight in Thailand. On the scale. <laughs> on the trading scale. Um, but that they... <clears throat> they're aware that they're about to fight for three minutes. They're aware that the fight's going to go for five rounds. So they're not always coming out and going guns blazing and fight to that style. So in some respects, I would like to see people turning pro a hell of a lot earlier so that they can actually fine tune their craft a little bit more rather than just being out there having a bash for two minutes and out they go. And I, and I think a lot of them would like to do it as well. I think in in a lot of cases in our state, the trainers are the ones that are holding the fighters back. Yeah. The fighters want to do it. Um, and a lot of the fighters don't want to fight you know, in our state again without the headgear and with everything. Like, I'm, I'm all for people just turning pro. If they want to do a development day, padded fight, whatever, one, two, three, up to five, and then go, all right, let's turn pro. As a B-grade guy with a pair of elbow pads on only, and then just send it three-minute rounds. Mm, and that's- then when you're good enough... Yeah, I, I find that because uh, it's obviously it's easier in amateur and professional boxing when people are playing pro, right? There's like a clearer line than what we have. And uh, my, I always look at it like apart from the government registration side of it, um, which like for all the Queenslanders watching, you guys are like, like it kind of helps us. So don't hate, don't, don't hate a combat sports board, but the. I sort of see it as if you're really struggling to find the line, personally, I see it as you fight three minute rounds and you're paid because hey, someone might have fight on roots, for example, so I might give them a bit of cash. There's no padding, but wouldn't call them a professional because they've only had two fights. I don't think so. so. For me, I would say three-minute rounds, no padding, over a certain amount per round. Where that line is, hard to say. But I mean, fuck, like it get it gets tricky, right? It's hard. And to be honest, there isn't there isn't like tremendous amount of amateur opportunities for people to develop a long amateur career. And there isn't really like, mm. you know, end of the day, if you, you can be a pro and go fight at IFMA, padded Muay Thai. So if that's what you're wanting to do, if by some ridiculous miracle, Muay Thai somehow does become an Olympic medal sport, that you'll still be able to do it when you turn pro. Yeah. So like have a few amateur fights. Once you feel you're confident, you got it out of the way, jump into the pros. Mm. 
Yeah. Next. Um, all right. We've got someone here who says they're wanting to have a second fight, but they're feeling anxious and nervous. What's um what's what's a what's a oh I think we've lost you there, Andy Akani. Andrew. You muted yourself, Andrew. Yeah, did you mute yourself? Yeah, you've muted yourself. You're <laughs> unmuted. But man, there's over the car. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's gone off here. Uh, just just jump back straight up on the horse. Or in this case, straight back up on the motorbike. Why? <laughs> the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be, man. Yeah. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. Always good to know why they're feeling stressed and anxious. Like, did something actually bad happen or did they have a bad experience? Like, people, sometimes they get stitched up by either a dodgy promoter or an incompetent coach. And if that's the mm. reason, then if you've had a bad experience, I don't think you should jump back in it. But if it's the prep and all that sort of stuff, um, like Andy said, um, like rip it off like a bandaid and get, get straight back in. Yeah. But, you know, for some people too, going back to the amateur pro thing that we, we, we had a fighter that pulled out of three pro fights here, but would happily go and fight in a little, uh, um, little uh, country town in Thailand repeatedly and I think he just couldn't deal with all the family and all the social media and everyone building that around it so that that that's a different thing for someone like that but I, I think you got to find out why you're anxious about it mm. if you've had a bad stitch up experience you've got to get that sorted out because you don't want to go in there it, it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy from the minute you're in there you'll feel like you're being stitched up again Hmm. You don't want to do that. And if you have if you have faith in your like coach and gym, it's you should feel norm, uh, nervous or anxious before you fight. Like that's a completely normal to feel emotion. Another one I think on top of it is to not overhype the fact that you are fighting. Like just treat it like any other sport. Treat it like you're going to. Yeah, sure, fighting is serious. But if you build it up, like if you're just having your second fight, it's not this big, massive thing. Like you're not playing big professional sport. <laughs> like you approach to another sport and man, just like get in and do it. It just, and, and be anxious and be nervous. But if you build it up too high, like I'm a fighter, this is fighting, boo, boo, boo. And you're thinking of like Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor or your favorite tie boxer or whoever. Well, of course it's going to be nervous, but you're not expected to perform the same way. Just, 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 just get in and do the sport. But the other thing too is you've got to be, Two things people have to remember. If you have no feelings towards it, no excitement, anxiousness, anything, that's also not necessarily a good thing. You need to have Absolutely. a little bit of a there. And also, man, like the biggest, baddest fighters in the world, the most experienced competitors in the world get nervous and anxious just in a different way. And that that's like a normal human thing. You're going into end of the day fighting, Competing, playing anything, going to a job interviews, an uncertain situation with an uncertain outcome. It's a normal human reaction to be nervous about it. Like, and if you're not, there's, you're a fucking sociopath. When was the last time you had a job interview, Sly? What was your last job interview? I don't think I've ever, have I ever job interview? <laughs> you just walk in, I'm taking this job. You're hiring me. Shut I'm up, Kate. Um, all right, this is. You know. This, this is a good one. It's like sort of a sarcastic slided comment um, in, a, in, a, in a bit of first person, but um, with the emoji, this, this emoji at the end of it, I want to fight for the title, but I want to pick my opponent. So what that person is saying is, what do we think of people who want to fight for a title, however, are then picking the opponent? Well, like Floyd Mayweather and pretty much every mainstream professional boxing champion <laughs> i think that's the unfortunately it's bullshit it should be in an ideal world it should be basic ranking <clears throat> and it should be the best two people but at the same time we know that that happens and we know that people time opponents and who they fight for it tends to be if you're already a champion and you get to defend it but if it's a vacant title and you, and mm. I've heard this before, uh, we were offered three opponents and we picked this one because we're like their style, but it's like, sorry. Shouldn't be out. Hey, <laughs> this person's style is fucking better than yours. And B, 
it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like it, it can work that way, but unfortunately, I think people maybe have uh, ticket revenue power behind them, so they get to be selective, and that that shouldn't happen. Like it shouldn't yeah. in an ideal world, but it does most certainly happen. Yep. Andy. Yes. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah. True. I think uh, you. I think that's a good. The, what you made about winning the title and defending the title. I like that. Like be the champion and then be the one who can call the shots. But if I like, sorry, go. No, no. And then I was just saying, but if you're not the champion, who gets put in front of you? You have to fight them. You don't. That's get, cool. That's yeah. And I like guys that step up and go like what, you know? Oh, and as a promoter, I even get it. Like where people are like, oh, actually, so and so is the best. Like, can I fight her or him or whatever it is. And I think that's awesome. That's the other side of it, which is really cool. So, anyway. <laughs> um, uh, we kind of covered... Uh, is Sai a good food critic or not? Was one um, question that we have. Matt Lucas. <laughs> Matt Lucas. I know this is from you. Yes, it is from Matt. Matt's you, actually you got a couple of you. you so you've, um, you've, you've gone to the worst and second worst states of Australia in your recent visit. When you come to Victoria, I will take you to a Melbourne food tour and uh, you, you got to trust a, a, a thicker gentleman when it comes to food choices. A Persian, He's a vegan, man. A Persian restaurant. And then oh, fuck. Stay, stay in okay. Um, okay. He's got a couple. He's thrown a couple other questions in there. How much should fighters get paid? We've sort of covered that on some previous podcasts. Should pay be transparent? Transparent between uh, the fighter, the everyone knew what the person was going to pay. Hundred percent. I think though, um, I'm happy to tell people what the going rate to start fighting is, but I don't think, like any other stuff, like it's someone's earnings. It's not up to it to be made public knowledge. Um, and also, some people don't understand why, let's say, a Toby Smith gets thousands of dollars whereas they get like hundreds of dollars they don't understand the scale and the reasoning and demand yeah and this sort of builds into the next question which was also from matt which was should women or female fighters be paid the same as men so once again should all male fighters be paid the same Mm. should a guy with six fights get paid the same as someone with 30 fights no should someone with 30 fights who brings 500 supporters to a show get paid the same as someone with 30 fights who can't even sell two tickets. Think about it from the promotion side yeah. as an entry level, as a base level, the males and the females should definitely get paid the same. No doubt about it. That's really an issue as they go up all other factors. So if you go by a base rate, the base rate should always be, doesn't matter based on your fight experience. The extra part of it is, your popularity and how much attention you bring to the show and how in demand you are. That's, that's, that's the free market model. And if you're a popular female who's had 20 fights, has a big supporter base and you're, you've had good, you're a good fighter. You should of course get paid more than a bloke with 20 fights who nobody wants to watch fight. Mm. And I think that's a good point. It's the same argument that sometimes comes up in say like women's basketball and it's like let's put aside male and female and let's look at the business lebron james is worth a fuckload more money to the economy of the nba than his equivalent in the WNBA. because and that's just like the business and the transparency and i'm fighting fighting is a perfect example i mean diandra is one of my highest paid fighters in the gym female like has less fights than David, Max, Josh, but she's one of the highest paid by far. So especially in Thai boxing, a lot of my girls get paid more than the men and vice versa. It, it comes down to exactly what you say, say so it's the business of it, isn't it? You it's do not have to, we do have to try and put, go a little bit uh, and try to provide more opportunities because you, like it's hard matching a lot of women's fights. Like I've got a bunch of girls I'm trying to match right now and it's hard to match them because there isn't enough opponents. But I, part of me also thinks we do have to give, provide better opportunities, like having them further up the card, promoting them more to get more women involved in the sport. 
So it, we do have to do a little bit of it that way, but also the pool is a lot smaller. So being the best out of a thousand people versus being the best out of 10 people, mm. it, it does make it a bit harder. So that's, that's the other side of it. Mm. Do you know many females whose parents won't let them fight? Whose parents won't let them fight? Not per, you, per but I also I know blokes. Yeah. Sorry. Problem. I know both. Uh, what, what, what might I put a scenario to you if a female, female's parents don't uh, know that they fight? Uh, but... So here's the knock-on effect, which I've um, found in the past as well, in that, uh, let's say, because of work reasons or family reasons, they actually don't really want anyone to fight. Uh, they don't want people to know that they fight, so they're still fighting, but they're doing awesome, and then they're not being given the same amount of, I guess, coverage or opportunities because they don't sell as much as what they mm. should. Uh, it's a real tricky one. Like that's I find that, that's, oh, yeah, that's their that's choice. That's a hard one, but unfortunately, like it's the sport we're in, and to be able to be given the opportunities, you need to help exactly. promote them. So I've had it right. So. That's their choice. If they know that the reality of it is that, so long as you are, are, are like not going to advertise yourself and people don't know about you, you're not going to get the opportunities. And that would go for men or women, wouldn't it? Like, there's not. Yeah, I agree. I think the other side of it too is like. So I said it with, with about opportunities. It's easy for three men to sit here and say, let's just fucking pay everyone the same and they should be getting the same and whatever. But I mean, the other opportunities there. So if the girls don't have the fighter pool to deal with here, would a promoter, I mean, I know would, I know Cy would too, but would a normal promoter, your average promoter, be willing to fly someone in from overseas to take that fight because... They don't have the opportunities here, whereas mm. a male would probably be more. You'd be more inclined to ship a male over to fight somewhere, right? I don't know. I'm just throwing think, it out there. I think it's starting to shift a little bit. And the ex a good example was um, Nikki and Nicole and Benji's show on the weekend, um, which had the WBC international, uh, sorry, world title, and they brought Celeste over from Thailand and the national title between Joanne and Nakia and then a full undercard of women only. And it was packed. And it was like, it was a yeah. sellout and it was awesome. And I think it's, for me anyway, like personally, um, I think that uh, I understand what you're saying, but then on the flip side of it as well, for me, females are exposed to even greater opportunities earlier because of the small pool if they can make a statement. Yeah. And yeah. someone like Diandra is a perfect example. Like she's not had anywhere near as many as her male peers, but has gotten the opportunities quicker because of there being a smaller pool of competition. True. Having said that, there's a lot of other stuff that happens, including like you with boxing and with the WBC still there's when you like institutionally go hey the men are going to fight 12 three minute rounds of boxing but the girls are only going to do 10 two minute rounds and watching the WBC title fight like those girls Kim Celeste, Joanne Nakia are fucking awesome fighters fight two minute rounds with two minute rest breaks where I've seen blokes fighting three minute rounds like absolute donkeys who don't even have the fitness to get through. And I go, when at, at the top level you're doing that, you're already putting their sport, putting their sport down. It's like, I don't know why. Don't know. Do that. Is that still a thing? They do two minute rounds with two minute rest break. Yeah. Oh, I thought that would have changed. Nice. No, two and two and two. Well, this two. is the number one reason I, I quit the sanctioning because I didn't want to do that. And that's a boxing thing though, right? Like I comes from boxing, exactly. For the Muay Thai. Yeah. According to some, it's apparently the, the sports authority of Thailand. <laughs> even though the WMC does it differently, even though one championship does it differently. Ifma. have been fighting three-minute rounds. Of course. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no reason comes for it. For the WBC, it comes from the boxing. The rule, yeah. flow, rule the two-minute rule flows down from the boxing. You stop kneeing, kicking, and uh, elbowing too. That's not, yeah, but that's not, man. You've got the yeah. boxing organization that sits on no, no, top. I understand that. I'm just saying. You have to, and I, I spoke to a former female fighter this week about it, and I said the girls should kick up a stink about it because there's absolutely no reason for that. I've got girls at my gym who are, 10 times fitter than the blokes. And I couldn't say, 
by the way. You guys, just imagine that training. You had two sets of timers. All right, girls, you guys are going to do the two-minute rounds and you boys have to do the three-minute rounds. I've heard a comment before about protecting the women. So um, why aren't we protecting the men? But, I mean, the thing that I had once is that we've, uh, from somebody was that they they believe that the women shouldn't be fighting, and this is from a, an old old person. So it's like, oh, we don't we don't believe that women should be fighting three minute rounds because it, we need to protect them, and our job is to protect the fighter and them not being able to handle themselves for three minutes. We, like, I mean, oh but sim- similarly as well, we have even some foreign gyms who still won't let women train in the main ring in the gym, even outside of Thailand, right? Like we still have issues. Oh, there's boxing gyms in Sydney that just flat out won't let for religious reasons as well. I'm, I'm, whether I agree sure. or disagree so with that, that's those, not me. We still have those issues as well, right? But I feel like it's moving in a positive direction. Yeah, we are. Commenting on it at this point in time, what's to say that it won't, so long as we keep having these conversations and the idea change a little bit, like hopefully, but there, I mean, yeah, perfect example. Both of my girls who fought on that show on the weekend were the only three minute rounds because I asked for it. All so they, every, yeah. That was, so they were like non-sanctioned bouts. Is that how it kind WBC of WBC doesn't sanction shows, only titles. So, yeah. so that show on the weekend, the only official WBC fight to be title fights yeah. The rest of the show, obviously, because it's Queensland, doesn't require a sanction. There's just refs and judges. And so yeah. I said, the whole car was two-minute rounds. My girls were the only two threes against boy from Nuxu. Oh, good on you. I said, they have to fight threes. And they said, yeah, and fine. And it was, man, and you watch it for my liking. And I had a few people come up to me that say they were the best fights on the night. That's no, sorry. With the for the That's what we had to do Diandra and Tip, we had like a world title or whatever WBC title on, and then I wanted the girls to fight for the national title, but they couldn't do three rounds, and we just did it as a non non sanctioned belt. We did a rebellion belt because it was like it's a pro show. Everyone's fighting three minute rounds. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Cool. That was cool. a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. Um, all right, we have a bunch of sanction questions. I'm going to kind of like. Mm, not to get too not to get too uh but this one is this one is a good one and i think we do see it in some parts of australia which is the full question says fighting for a different sanctions world title after losing an australian title thoughts no names please is the question so i don't think you should get to fight for a national title coming off a loss so whether yep. you just fought for another sanctioning body or, or not, unless it's at a different weight class. But let's say, you know, like as an example, Yolo fought at Yolo's <laughs> loss, but then she yeah. went and fought for that title. That's that, that there's two weight classes in between those two divisions. So there's an exception. But if you've just fought for an Australian title for one of the alphabets and you've lost. I don't see how in that same weight division you get to fight to be the Australian champion, especially when it's only like three or six months apart. But they've got to remember there's a whole different level too, right? So a lot of people just think it goes state, national, world. Well, the general opinion should be once you've passed, surpassed the national title level, you shouldn't be going back to that. Like it's, yeah. if, if you've and passed the national... Sam Solomon is? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Okay, yes. so Sam Solomon is a former world boxing champion. He's had 60-something pro fights. He's just fought for a uh, state boxing title, ANBF yeah. or something in Victoria, mm-hmm. and now he's yeah. defending it again. Like, Yeah. yeah. Just... I guess there's, there's always exceptions to the rule, which is why in sanctioning body rule books and whatever, there should always be the exception because depending on what's happening in the world at the time, but the general rule of thumb is that once you've competed at the world level you shouldn't really be coming back to fight for a national top yeah so, so so long as that quote unquote world level is actually world level right meaning not a not a sanctioned quote unquote <coughs> world title which has just been put on for money yes yeah. everything's put on yeah. for money kieran yes. he's put that shirt on for money 
No. That's going to take on YouTube ad revenue from $3 an episode to $3 stand. Uh, yeah. I want to cut. OnlyFans.com slash Rebellion Muay Thai Hour coming soon. A Patreon page. Um, and it kind, of, it kind of goes into this one, which was fake titles or promoters setting up mismatched title fights for their own gym's gain. Look, we, we, I think... I think we get very negative on this, which is our thing. I think apparently we, we've covered these title, fake titles and the reason behind them and stuff plenty of times. That's the reality of it. If you don't like it, don't fight for them and don't go watch a show that puts them on. Mm, don't support. Vote yeah. with your feet. Vote with your money. Like If a promoter's doing a thing that suits what you believe in, do it. And if you're a fighter... Like one of my mates just commented on a matchup that was announced the other day involving a fighter I just mentioned. And he goes, how do you even take that fight? You know, it's the wrong thing to do. So people, if you, if you don't agree with it, just don't buy a ticket or don't fight for it. It's, mm. Easy. Mm. it's hard to say sometimes for fighters too. Like, I, like two of my best examples were Lyndon and Ibby. Yeah. And I keep, I keep using them throughout the amateur ranks. They, were by far the best in their, at the time in their amateur ranks and never got the opportunity to fight for titles. Mm. If they yeah. were given one, they, they probably would have just jumped at the opportunity. And I think oh, EB actually did one. You know, Tyler, uh, as sexy as the new Roots Muay Thai Eliminator belt. It's beautiful. It's very hot. It's very hot. But um, yeah, that's the other side of it too, man. Like you've got guys who potentially should have been given opportunities and due to timing and all sorts of stuff in the past never got that chance and if they got given it you would just like jump at that you know i think that one one way of it is also to think about it is if you hold um and i've got no issue with people having a graded system at their gyms and if it's something structured in and for what it is as long as when you get like a orange singlet in Muay Thai, you don't believe that that necessarily carries some weight in the rest of the world. Oh, it's, a, yeah. it's a thing you, you've used to, and it's the same. Like you want to win a belt and go, I'm the champion of this. Yeah. Good luck to you. But just yeah. understand that others don't necessarily have to see that as what you're saying it is. Like yeah. if it's yeah. a tool used to market it or whatever, good luck to you. Yeah, I'm going to save this one. We'll do this one. I think this is because it's a bigger one that we could probably go into a bit on the next episode, which is scoring differences between Thailand and Australia. So we'll save that because we'll talk forever on that. But PEDs in combat sports, performance enhancing drugs in combat sports. Is this about promoters and how they get through a show? Or uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a particular... Like... The thing with PEDs for me is like, I honestly think if I was an Olympic athlete that had a chance in hell of winning a medal, realistically, I reckon I'd probably be using it because I reckon that's the nature of the sport and it exists everywhere. Like you're almost going into a gunfight with a fucking water pistol otherwise. Like Mm. I just, it's like to me, Lance Armstrong still the greatest cyclist of all time. You can give me as much EPO in the world as you can. I'm still can't even ride to my gym and back. So that that's my opinion on that. When it comes to someone being uh, pumped full of EPO, like Shane Mosley got done for EPO, like the Balco Labs when he got done, they got it. Having something like EPO that allows you to punch holes through someone for 36 minutes without dropping off and testosterone and things on top of that, I think when it comes to sports where there's brain trauma involved, I just, like, I really... You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of contradictions in what I just said, but I just have real massive issues with that because I think that becomes a matter of life and death. Yeah, it's a fair call. I mean, it's even naive of me to say that there's less of it these days than there was back in the days that I was talking about because I do remember back in those days looking at going to some fire shows and just looking at the guys who were just going, they look like bodybuilders. But um, I mean, that people are being smarter in their choice of... Uh, drugs <laughs> yes. I think- the hard thing is the training right like you know how to train and back up and then train and then back up and the recovery and everything like that oh, right. and i just think that um for people to be have to or be able to sidestep that same with muscle strip like i'm oh, not muscle for strippers is 
Strippers? Strippers? Uh, with weight cuts and then fully cycling it out so that they can cut to a certain weight and everything like that. Like, I don't know. But honestly, at the Muay Thai level, like we're talking about guys who are earning multi-million dollar purses at a Muay Thai level, your average show, I think you're just a dick if you're going to be doing it anyway, to be honest. So if you want to do it, do it. Is it going to meet you? Is it going to make you any better? If your skill set's not good enough at that level, man, you're going to get beat anyway. Mm. And I think that's not... Real talk, though. How many people who glorify Thai boxing in the motherland do you think are in denial of how much actual, what we would consider PEDs go on in the the Thai circuit? Like, I said to someone that are there like, oh, my God, no. I'm like, what do you think? They're living off, like... Yeah, the cart cart with sugary drinks at the end of the session isn't what's getting them through to the next one all the time. Like, let's be... It's actually sad in some respects. A lot of them don't even know that they're doing it. Yeah, and this is what... I mean, when people ask me about Thai boxing in Thailand, and it's like, guys, this is not... We get to do the sport because we want to and we choose to. A lot of the time in Thailand, it is what it is. And they're like race... Man, I use the analogy of like racehorses. Like, if you had an unregulated racehorse in it's the exact same. I mean, even pre-fight fucking horsepower and stuff, but that's a different conversation. But you like, it's the exact same because they're there to make, I mean, even college football in America, you hear stories and NFL in America of the way that linebackers will be absolutely smashed. And it's just like quarter zone, quarter zone, quarter zone, this, that, this, bang. Okay. Go out again. It's the same thing to a less scientific level and a more just go and make us make more money. We've got a big side bet. You can't fuck this up here. Go boom. Like, let's not be You're talking about guys that have like been fighting like the great ones. Look at Sancho, like he fought at the elite level for 15 years or something. And the el- people don't understand that the elite level is just there's a kick in it. <laughs> there's yeah. literally under a kick under in under it. Topic, how good does Nong O look? <laughs> Juice and um, ah, uh, yes, um, cool. That's all. all right, let's get a couple more in before I have to go teach people how to bash each other in the head. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, technically uh, assisted, chemically assisted, chemically. Have everyone. Um, there's a few different. There's a few questions about the differences between sanctioning bodies. We could sort of um go between that. Uh, so always, one that. Uh, okay, well, two more. Okay, got it. Finish on the most controversial. First of all, what do you what what do all you guys think is bad sparring etiquette? Hey, hey, hey! I'm just saying, if this Hawaiian shirt wearing motherfucker starts bagging my countrymen, <laughs> okay. The best. I'm gonna. I, okay, I'm gonna take a reel of it, and everybody knows it. The best rules around sparring is chuck will give them to you man before every sparring class you've just robotically like no tip the face no spinning heel kick no no tip face no elbow no spinning back fist that's so good man he says it every time so no pleasure no means many (laughs) (laughs) any spinning back kick many elbows many tip to the face many elbow many spinning heel kick Oh man, it's to be honest, it's covered a lot. Like, I think teeps the face, spinning shit, elbows, you know, like um, kicking to the head. It's probably a good example, man. Like, you can kick someone in the head, but it's not like in the end, it's about intent. That, that's my personal opinion. You, you yes. can, like, so I use his countrymen as an example. There's zero intent into what he does when he's sparring. But then you look at some guys who just carry on like douchebags and yeah. actually want to finish someone off or hurt them or whatever. And, and to me, that like it, you're not a team player if you're doing that or you can't control your emotions. And if you can't control your emotions, then there's an issue with that when you're fighting as well, right? Like, Yeah. And I think the number one thing for me is sparrings. There was a saying I heard, which is uh, it's to get better and not to find out who's better. So, so guys oh, come took in a one side. Ooh, nice. Nice. Oh, well, hang on, let me write that. <clears throat> it's gonna be a PTJ on can on the Canva account right now. Um I think it's my my couple of my pet hates is 
when people uh, film sparring and put snippets of it on social media of them being a superstar. Mm. And I also think when people uh, spar and they have it over someone, like, you know, you get people who can just, like, I remember there was a guy who used to train with us. He could, like, boxing, counter everyone's right hand with his left hook. He just set all the dummy new guys up with it. And he'd do it like a hundred times. And I'm like, what are you getting out of this? You can already do that. Like, yeah. what do you, what, 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 work on something you're really shit at. That's like a jujitsu thing they do, which is really well, is if you go against someone who's, you're, you're really good at being on top and you get someone less than you, you always make sure you go underneath. So you get to work your weakness and they work it up. And it's like sparring where it's like, you've obviously got it over someone in power or something and you just dominate them for round after round after round like it's just unproductive and stupid and i i have this thing that i said a couple months ago to some of the guys which was if 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 you're gonna do something to someone who's a lower level than you in an egotistical a forced way it's also something that you have to be willing to do to the best person in the gym as well. So if you're going to try, I said to him like a perfect example because Davey was standing next to me and it was like, guys, if you're going to try and bash the snot out of that person just to be a bit of a dick with a, like, however the approach is, you have to be willing to go and I'll put you with Davey and you try the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's Not a good one too. If you're, if you're scared to do it against him, you shouldn't do it against that person. Because that's not fair. Oh, I feel like I need to add something cool, but you guys pretty much... Don't. I can't Next jump in. Let's go. Lolo. That's the guy who drives uh, to the gym. Oh, got to go throw oh, some water. Cracking out his tie. Um, okay. Last one, gentlemen, if we're going to cover it, it's to do it with um, harassment. Would we like to cover this question? I get harassed all the time. I sent it to you guys yesterday in the chat. Are we going to cover this one? Um, I think... Uh, it goes back to something we say about our sports all the time, about professionalism in our sports. Some gyms want to charge money and run as a business, but they also want to behave like they're at a nightclub at four o'clock in the morning. It's not just in our sport. It happens in a lot of other sports. There was a massive thing with gymnastics and stuff mm. in America. Like That's a question. That, huh? Sorry, the, the, the full question was, they wrote big one, as in this is a big one, dash, culture of sexual harassment in some games so yes yeah, i would yeah you it's are. the culture it's the same as any other be anywhere workplace, workplace or anything is, else yeah. you gotta like a it can be tolerated but b i think you just gotta remove yourself from that environment and report it if it's a reportable thing it's like you just can't put up with it like i and i know it's hard like because you're in it but when there's a dominant culture in a gym, I think it's very hard for one person, especially if you're like the only chick at a gym or something to try to like overpower that, that gym. But I think you got to make yourself, put yourself in a safe position first. And then if it's been something done illegally, you've got to actually like report it. Yeah. If you think you'll be, I know it's hard. That's what they're doing in a group environment that other people can see. What do you think they're doing behind closed doors? Yeah. Hmm. And it, there's a quite an unfortunate example of it from, uh, I don't know how long it was ago, but there was quite a prominent UK Muay Thai trainer um, by the name of Pele, who trained a lot of guys who own gyms now. And he was like a very, very good um, trainer, but no one talks about him anymore, really, because he's in jail as a convicted pedophile. Mm. And the unfortunate part was he was in a position of power as the head trainer and as the head coach. And it's like quite sad and sad to hear of something like that, I think. Um, but yeah. it's also naive to imagine that that kind of stuff doesn't go on. And so I think it is important <coughs> people when, when something like, if someone does feel they are in that position of being harassed in, and that can be in any way, this doesn't have to be sexual. It can be like mentally harassed or feel like whoa, 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 whoa. mental oh, harassment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. With the exception of sorry, if there's malicious intent behind it, um, you, you, you try to speak to someone, even if it's, even if it's someone that doesn't know like a mental health helpline, because they, they are, they're often it's anonymity and you're able to speak to someone. But I think that's the most important step because if you try to hold it on to yourself, yeah, it can be um, 
bad in this. I think one of the things that makes it sort of prevalent in sports and like a work environment, especially in like martial arts, is the whole instructor sort of like hero worship. They feel like as they got a black belt or something that they're like above the law, like Steven Seagal above the law. And sometimes like younger students and stuff look up to them too much where it's like that abuse of power situation. And like that happens when people get people to do a bunch of shit for them at their gyms. Or you can see instructors taking advantage of their students in a lot of ways. But I think that becomes especially dangerous when it's like, especially if you got like younger students and stuff who like think being a black belt in martial arts makes you some fucking higher level being, but they don't realize how many pieces of shit there are with yeah. black belts and crew ranks and all that sort of stuff. So I think, yeah, I think that's a, it's not just a, it's not a culture in the gym. It's culture in the whole wide world. Mm. For that, that comes straight from the mouth of Stan super crew, Sinaji. So what were the two quotes for the day that we've got to remember, Sai? You're there Sparring. to get better and not find out who's better. Get better, find out who's not better. And Kieran, be willing to do be willing to, to do the beginner what you're willing to do to the advanced. To the pro, to the advanced, yeah. And then is anyone out there a bigger cunt than Sai in the Muay Thai industry? That comes from our friends at Sitzelton from one Mr. Aram Diaz. And... Um, since we're saying Aram's name, which one of your students proposed the last question? Ah, nice. Ah, nice. All right, guys, I gotta go. I do too. Enjoy your day. Not do. Bye. See you guys.